Welcome to the Saguaro Books Radio Hour. This program is a showcase of middle grade, young adult, and new adult fiction. Your host is Mary Nickham, the founder of Saguaro Books, LLC. Saguaro Books is a unique publisher, and this program will show you why, as we bring you the authors and the books of new authors and more. Now, here's Mary Nickham. Good morning, and welcome to the second segment on marketing. I'll talk in depth on marketing, publicity, and promotion. If you heard last week's show, you know the difference between these terms. If you missed last week's show, be sure to listen to the taped version of the show on the Voice America website. Now let's get to work. Today's buyers hold all the power when making a purchasing decision. I've also likely, I'm also likely to be aware that they're doing some of their research online. Consider these recent statistics about modern buyer behavior. 80% of Instagram users currently follow a business account, according to 27 data from Instagram. 75% of smartphone owners turn to a search engine first, to address immediate needs according to a 2018 data from Google. Emails that don't display clearly or, re- or correctly on mobile devices may be deleted within three seconds, according to a 2018 data report by HubSpot. What's a marketer to do to make sure your buyers find it early and, and often? Go where they're going. That might sound obvious, but how deeply do, I, do you understand exactly where the buyers are, going, are doing their research and what is influencing their decisions? That's where marketing research comes into play. There are two main types of marketing research that business con- businesses conduct to select the the most of actionable information on their products, primary research and secondary research. Okay, so what is primary research? Primary research is the pursuit of firsthand information on on your market and its customers. I can use focus groups, online surveys, phone interviews, and more to gather fresh details on the challenges that buyers face and the brand awareness behind your company. Primary research is useful when segmenting the market and establishing buyer personas, and this research tends to fall into one of two best buckets. Exploratory research is the first one, and this kind of primary market research is less concerned with measurable customer trends and more about potential problems that would be worth tackling as a team. It normally takes place as a first step before any specific research has been performed and can involve open-ended interviews or surveys with small numbers of people, uh, group, small group, interest groups, uh, and the such. Specific research, this kind of primary market research often follows exploratory research and is used to dive into issues or opportunities the business has already identified as important. 
In specific research, the business can take a smaller or more precise segment of their audience and ask questions aimed at solving a suspected problem. All right, now, secondary research. Secondary research is all the data and public records I, that have at, the, at your disposal to draw conclusions. This includes trend reports, market statistics, industri industry content, and sales data that have already been identified as uh, interest to my business. Secondary research is particularly useful for analyzing competitors. Here are three types of secondary research sources that make this process so beneficial. First of all, we have public sources. These sources are first and most accessible layer of material when conducting secondary market research. Being free to find and read, usually, they offer the most bang for your buck. Government statistics are arguably the most common public source, according to the Entrepreneur Journal uh, magazine. Two U.S. examples of public market data are the U.S. Census Bureau and the Bureau of Labor Statistics, both of, the, of which offer helpful information on the state of various industries nationwide. And they can help you identify your competitors by uh, inter areas that are close to you and what businesses are uh, functioning. Commercial sources. These sources often come in the form of market reports, consisting of industry insight compiled by a research agency like Pew, Gartner, or Forrester. Because this information is so portable and distributable, it typically costs money to download and obtain. And they are talking usually some in the somewhere in the hundreds, maybe in the thousands of dollars. So this is not a, a, uh, something that probably would be of interest to uh, small businesses and localized uh, writers and authors. Internal sources. Internal sources deserve more credit for supporting market research than they generally get. Why? This is the market data the organization already has in-house. Average revenue sale, customer retention rates, and other historical data on the health of old and new accounts, and these can help you draw conclusions on what your buyers might want now. And that is, that's what happens if you have any internal data that can help you, uh, this is also a place to go. Define your buyer persona. All right, now that is something that came up under primary research. And before I dive into how customers in the industry make buying decisions, I must first understand who they are. This is the beginning of my primary research, market research, where biopersonas come in handy. Buyer personas, 
sometimes referred to as marketing personas, are functional, are fictional, generalized representations of the ideal customer. They help you visualize the audience, streamline communications, and inform your strategy. Some key characteristics I should be keen on including in my buyer persona are one, age, the age of the uh, persons that are, are most likely to be looking for your books. Now, of course, if you're writing for children, the buyer persona, the buyers that are looking for the books are usually not children because the children normally don't buy books. Now, when you get up to the young adults, they very well might buy their own books. But otherwise, for middle grade especially, uh, you have the parents involved. And so that's an important thing to watch for. Gender is another important thing. Uh, it's statistics show that uh, women, mothers, of course, are more likely to buy books for their children. Location, job titles, uh, family size, income, and major challenges. These are all things that you should be able to to uh, come up with some uh, realistic data on. This I, the idea is ultimately to use this persona as a guideline for when you reach and learn about actual customers in the industry. I'll go into that more detail in a few minutes. To get started with creating the persona, my persona, check out these free templates as well as this helpful tool. These resources are designed to help organize your audience segments, collect the right information, select the right format, and so on. I find that my business lends itself to more than one persona. That's fine but I just need to be sure that I'm being thoughtful about the specific persona I am optimizing for when planning content and campaigns. And for uh, children and young adult uh, book selling the book business, this is uh, especially important because you have really have two separate ones. You have one for middle grade, and that's the, uh, you know, fifth grade to seventh grade, and then you, or eighth grade, and then you get on into the ninth through twelfth grade, and these people uh, are buying, often buying their own books. So that makes a difference when you're uh, developing a persona for your business. Okay, identify a portion of that persona to engage. Now that you know who the buyer persona are, find, uh, use, use these to find a representative sample of the target customers to understand their actual characteristics, challenges, and buying habits. These should be folks who recently made a purchase or purposefully decided not to make one. And of course, if they decided not to make one, that's uh, interesting too, because 
it would be good to find out why did they make that decision and meet with them in a number of ways. In person via a focus group. Uh, focus groups are extremely helpful because you've got a, a group of people who are open to the uh, particular uh, segment that you're trying to get in, and then uh, you give them the book title of the, and the book talk, you give, give them some information about the book, maybe read to them, and get their reactions. And their reactions are very important. Did they like it? Did they not like it? If they did, why? If they didn't, why? Uh, what do they suggest as to uh, improvements or uh, what particular segment of the uh, age group would be good? All these things you can get from the focus group. Administering an online survey and that, that can be extremely helpful also because you have to go through the, uh, the, the topic and go through the book and see question by question. And you can ask the questions, specific questions, as to what you really want to know. And then, of course, there are individual phone interviews, which are not quite as, as good, but... Uh, if you know who to call, uh, these people that you call, you may be calling at the right time, you may not be calling at the right time. And therefore, you have get people who are, uh, if they're in, engaged in something else that's going on, whether they're having dinner or whether they're, uh, you know, have some other thing going on at home, that may not have been a good time to have uh, approached them. And so you may not get the answers you want. You may not get any answers at all. Uh, you may have found somebody who is willing to talk. You ask them when you first start the interview, is this a good time that I'm calling? Or is there another time that I could call that where you'd have more time? That kind of thing can all be dealt with on the phone before the interview starts. But once the interview starts, that's when you start to get information. Now, you can't give them on a phone interview. You usually cannot read to them and things like that. It doesn't really work on a phone call. But you can uh, get the, uh, you know, get, give them the kind of a, a short uh, pitch almost and get their impressions as to whether they think it would be something that they would go to the bookstore and look at or go online and look at and see if it was something that they thought they could buy for their child. Uh, if you have to uh, go to a, uh, if you're interviewing the child or the, the young person, then uh, that might even be more uh, interesting, especially if you're talking to a, um, a young adult. Uh, that you could get a very good, probably get a very good uh, interview and uh, get there because they're so, <laughs> they're so honest, they're so straightforward with their answers because they aren't filtered through all the adult uh, ways of, looking at things, and you get you really get an honest answer right up front. 
So this is is a uh, is a good way to do find your uh, ways from uh, your uh, what your buyers might be thinking. And uh, we have developed a few guidelines and tips that'll help you get the right participants for your research. And in the, uh, we're going to uh, break in a little bit here, and we'll go into the uh, buyers' uh, uh, participants and what to look for in about uh, in about a couple seconds. But um, it is important to do the uh, research that you talk when you talk to the people to get their impressions and, and uh, find out, especially find out what they're looking for and how do they buy their books. Do they buy online? Do they go to bookstores? Do they um, get recommendations from friends and, and that kind of thing? So how do they buy? And that's how you can uh, also figure out how to set up your, uh, your business if you're a, an author, of course, and every author is actually in business, whether they think they are or not, and uh, and then you can uh, figure out from there how to sell the book. If you can, if they buy online, then that's the time to say, well, you know, in your head, that that is a good way to do it on your uh, your website. And of course, the publisher already has your book on their website, so they can uh, can it can work both ways. You can accommodate uh, buyers on that way. Now, if they go to bookstores, uh, in the case of, for instance, uh, Barnes and Noble, uh, you have to uh, ask at the desk, and they can purchase the book for you. But it will not be. In most cases, it will not be on the bookstore shelves. In some private bookstores, then it may be local bookstores, but not on the big ones. Okay, so let's go to, uh, go to break for a few minutes, and uh, we'll be back as soon as we can. Sawara Books LLC is a publisher unlike most publishers that you've known. What's unique about us is that we don't work with agents. We work directly with the authors. We're a fiction-only publisher that specializes in first-time authors, middle grade and young adult fiction, and we have a new section for new adult fiction. Find us on the web at sawarobooks.com. All of our books are also available on major ebook sites and a variety of formats. Find something new to put on your reading list today. Visit sawarobooks.com. You are listening to the Sawaro Books Radio Hour. To speak with Mary Nickham or her guest, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you may send an email to mjnickham at sawarobooks.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. Now we're going to do a little bit on choosing which buyers to survey. 
Now that is, we talked a little bit about last time about the uh, in, uh, the three types of ways you can get your information, focus groups, online surveys, and phone interviews. Now, how do we find these buyers to survey? When choosing who I want to engage to conduct market research, start with the characteristics that apply to your buyer group persona. This will vary for every organization and for every, for every writer. But here are some additional guidelines that will apply to just about any scenario. Okay. Now, first, shoot for 10 participants per buyer persona. Okay, if you have a, if you're dealing with the parents, then try for 10 of them. If you're dealing with the young adults who buy their own books, 10 of those. And if you can ask middle grade students, that would be fine. Uh, whether you want to deal with that or not is another matter because they basically are not buyers. They may find something, hey, mom, I found this book and I think it's really cool. But uh, they are not probably the ones that you want to interview. Anyway, we recommend focusing on one persona, at least one at a time. But if you feel it's necessary to research multiple personas, be sure to recruit a separate sample group for each one. And that's what I was talking about. Select people who have recently interacted with me. I may want to focus on folks that have completed an evaluation with the past six months, within the last six months. And those people are, you know, they're, they're kind of know you already, so it's a little more comfortable for them and probably for you. Up to a year if you have a longer sales cycle or niche market. I'll be asking very detailed questions, so it's important that their experience is fresh. Aim for a mixed participants. Recruit people who have purchased pro your product, folks who purchased a competitor's project, product, and a few who decided not to purchase anything at all. That's a, that's a key right there. You really need to, why didn't they purchase? And what were they thinking? And that's how you get to that. While your own customers will be the easiest to find and recruit, sourcing information from others will help to develop a balanced view. And so, uh, you know, try to, get, try to get that balance. Now, engage my market research participants. Market research firms have panels of people they can pull from when they want to conduct a study. Trouble is, most individual marketers don't have that luxury. And most writers who have published and are trying to sell a book definitely don't have that luxury. The trouble is most individual marketers don't have the luxury that's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, the fact in fact, the time I'll spend recruiting exclusively for my study will often lead to better participants. So that's the thing. If you spend time and uh, recruiting and selecting, and specifically for your book, for your title, for your your business, then you need to uh, to get 
you'll get participants that are better uh, and ready to talk to you about your specific book. Here's a simple recruiting process to guide your efforts. One, pull a list of customers who need a, who made a recent purchase. As we mentioned before, this is usually the easiest set of buyers to recruit. If you're using a CRM system, you can run a report of deals and closed, that closed within the past six months and filter it to the characteristics you're looking for. Otherwise, you can work with your sales team to get a list of appropriate accounts from them. And if you don't have the luxuries of, a, of an office that can supply this kind of information, then you must do it on your own. And if you have a list of buyers, that helps. Of course, uh, if you're selling and your book is selling primarily on Amazon or something like that, you probably don't have access to that list. Pull a list of customers who were in an active evaluation but didn't make a purchase. Now you should get a mix of buyers who either purchased from a competitor or decided not to make a purchase. Now, if they purchased from a competitor, that might be a little hard to find out, especially if they bought on Amazon because you wouldn't know that. But you know what books are out there and which ones are selling probably well. And you can probably figure out from those titles, you could figure not specifically who bought the book, but what books are selling and ask from there if your, uh, your buyers are looking at those books instead. You should get a mix of buyers who either purchased or didn't make a purchase. And the ones who didn't make a purchase are the ones that you really want to know why didn't they make a purchase. What interfered? Was it the price of the book? Was it the subject of the book? Was it, uh, you know, what was it that stopped them from buying? Call the, for participants on social media. Try re reaching out to the folks that follow you on social media but decided not to buy from you. There's a chance that some of them would be willing to talk to you and, and tell you why they ultimately de decided not to buy the product. And the social media is probably the easiest way to locate the people because usually on, uh, on Facebook and LinkedIn and some of those places, you can get the names or somehow the, the uh, list of people who have uh, checked your site out and find out how they and why they didn't buy. Leverage your own network. Get the word out to your coworkers, former colleagues, LinkedIn connections, and, and the ones that are available on like Facebook and things like that. And uh, tell them that you're conducting a study. And even if your uh, direct connections don't qualify, some of them will likely have a coworker, friend, or family member who does. And that would be another good way to recruit uh, a, a population for the study.
then choose an incentive. In order to get, it, it's pretty well documented that in order to get a, a people to willingly participate in a survey or a study, it's important to have an incentive. Do they get a price, you know, a good price on the book? Uh, maybe you even have a free book that you want to uh, give them or some other kind of incentive that will keep them moving. Uh, sometimes you get in the mail, you get uh, questionnaires and surveys from some groups and they put a nickel on the uh, thing on when you sign in, when you receive the thing, it comes with a nickel on it or something like that. Those are incentives to get people to complete the survey. And that is, a, like I say, a well-documented uh, use for uh, getting people to, all right, I guess I can do it for that, you know. Time is precious, so you'll need to think about how you will motivate someone to spend 30 to 45 minutes on your study. On a tight budget? <laughs> Aren't we all? I can reward participants from free by giving them exclusive access to content. Another option, send a simple handwritten thank you note once the study is complete. And that, that does mean something to people. It's, it doesn't happen very often anymore that you get a handwritten thank you note from somebody that you've participated. And, and that can be, uh, again, a very uh, inexpensive way to, to get people because the next time you come out with the next book and you want to do a survey again, these people will be more likely to cooperate. Prepare your research re questions. And that is a very important thing to be prepared with the questions. You can't just call up somebody and say, well, hey, you know, want to do the survey with me. And then you start out on some question you may have asked the person the right questions you may not have. The best way to make sure you get the most out of the conversation is to be prepared. You should always create a discussion discussion guide, whether it's for a focus group, online survey, or a phone interview. Make sure you cover all of the top-of-mind questions and use your time wisely. Because your, question, your survey or interview is not going to last forever, so you, it may be a 30 to 45-minute questionnaire. It may be more like 10 minutes. I would say if I'm being asked to be on a survey. I would like to have to spend no more than 10 minutes on it. A 30 to 45 minute interview on the phone is a little long as far as I'm concerned. Uh, now, uh, if it takes 30 or 45 minutes to fill out a questionnaire online, uh, that probably doesn't stop me as much as a phone interview would. So I would say keep the phone interviews to uh, no less, no more than 10 minutes. A decision to guide uh, to a discussion guide, use a discussion guide should be in an outline format with a time allotment and open-ended questions allotted for each selection. The most important thing on a survey is don't 
don't ask questions that are uh, answered by yes or no. This does not lead to discussion. You won't get a feeling for what people think and how they're, what they're buying and how they're buying and, and how they're processing the information that they're given in your uh, advertisements or your promotion material. So what you have to do is ask questions that will lead to a discussion or at least lead to a little more openness as to their thought process. And this helps to get uh, the uh, people opening up and giving you some information. Now, what you, you, on your questions, you never want to lead the witness by asking yes, no questions, as that puts me at a risk of unintentionally swaying their thoughts by leading with my own hypothesis. Asking open-ended questions also helps avoid those painful one-word answers. Here's a general outline for a 30-minute survey on, uh, a, for a buyer. I can ask, I can use questions, take talking points for an in-person interview or as questions posed on a digital form to administer as a survey to, my, to the target customers. Background information, five minutes. So you use that much time for a five minute in, uh, for the background information. So you ask the buyer to give a little background information, their title, how long they've been with the company, and so on. Then ask a fun, easy question to warm things up. First concert attended, favorite restaurant in town, last vacation. Some of these kinds of things do make people feel more comfortable if you feel that that's going to help. Now, it may not help always, and so you have to... When you start to talk with people, you immediately begin to start feeling them out. Do they feel comfortable? Do they sound comfortable? Do they sound like they're under interrogation? Uh, you know, and if you get that feeling, then you got to back up and kind of start over. But uh, you can't, once you get started, you really can't start over very well. So you have to give this some thought before you talk to the people because you have done some research as to where they are living, what they're doing, what, they, what their professional or background, work background is, uh, the size of their families and that kind of thing. And so you do have that information already. And so this gives you uh, a chance to maybe not ask, quote, the wrong questions. Remember, you want to get to know your buyers in pretty specific ways, but you don't want to give the feeling that you're, in, you know, in invading their privacy either. So you have to really walk a tightrope, a fine line, to, uh, to get the information and to get the people feeling comfortable without them becoming uncomfortable, which you can usually notice from the tone of their voices right off the bat if you're probably invading somewhere. Mm -hmm. Remember, you want to know the buyers, but you don't want to interfere with their lives.
You might be able to capture basic information such as age, location, and job title from your contact list. So that's, that should be taken care of. So you basically know who you're talking to and what their background is. I can only, really only learn by asking. So here are some other key background questions to ask your target audience. Describe to me how my work team is structured. Tell you about my personal job, your job responsibilities. What are the team's goals and how do they measure them? And what has been your biggest challenge in the past year? So that, those are questions that may or may not work depending on the individual's circumstance. And before we go further, uh, we're gonna go to break. So be back and join us again in a few minutes. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Saguaro Books, LLC is a publisher unlike most publishers that you've known. What's unique about us is that we don't work with agents. We work directly with the authors. We're a fiction-only publisher that specializes in first-time authors, middle-grade and young adult fiction, and we have a new section for new adult fiction. Find us on the web at saguarobooks.com. All of our books are also available on major ebook sites and a variety of formats. Find something new to put on your reading list today. Visit saguarobooks.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. You are listening to the Saguaro Books Radio Hour. To speak with Mary Nickham or her guest, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you may send an email to mjnickham at saguarobooks.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. We're going to talk now about awareness. Here I want to understand how they first realized they had a problem that needed to be solved without getting into whether or not they know about my brand yet. Think back to when I first realized I needed this uh, a book for my child. What challenges were I fa- was I facing at the time? Was there a birthday present that needed to be bought, a Christmas present? Uh, Was uh, the child in the hospital and needed something to read? Those kinds of of, uh, specifics would help if you're uh, designing something. How did I know that something in this category could help me? How familiar was I with different options on the market? Okay, so did this person go back and, uh, and go to, to Amazon and looking for books? Uh, how did they find you? That kind of thing. Okay, now, now I want to get very specific about how and where the buyer reached the potential solution. Plan to interject to ask for more details. What was the first thing you did to research potential solutions? By what, how did you find these books? 
How helpful was this source? Where did I go to find more information? Did they go to, to websites? And if they had found your website, uh, then you can go from there. If they don't come up organically, ask about search engines, websites visited, people consulted, and so on. Did they go to the library and ask the librarian uh, what they could find? Uh, did they go to a bookstore and ask uh, for a particular subject or uh, types of, of books? How did, I how did you find that source? How did you use vendor websites? What words specifically did you use on Google? And those are very important questions and information to know, especially the keywords, because that's all considered metadata and that's very important when it comes to finding the right, uh, you know, the right titles and subject area. How helpful was it? How could it be better? Who provided the most helpful information? And what did it look like? Tell me about your experiences with the salespeople from each vendor. Now, if you went to bookstores and, and places like that, that would be important to know whether the salespeople are helping uh, the buyer or are they, is the buyer just kind of looking on their own? Now, the decision. Which of the sources uh, you described above were the most influential in driving your decision? What, if any, criteria did you establish to compare the alternatives? What vendors made it to the shortlist, and what were the pro pros and cons of each? And hopefully you're on the shortlist. What else was involved in the final decision? What role did each of these people play? And what factors ultimately influenced your final purchasing decision? And that is uh, very uh, telling when it tells you what you need to do for marketing. If these people are making decisions based on, uh, sometimes people make decisions based on the cover of the book. They pick the book up and the cover looks interesting. And, and sometimes they'll, read, they'll usually read the back, which is the, uh, the back uh, short, very short uh, synopsis of the book, and they'll buy based on that. And you need to know if that's what they're doing because it's, it's, an, important, it's an important piece, and mo many authors do not realize that. And uh, as a publisher, we ask the authors to write it, but the publisher, as publishers, we uh, edit it and make sure that it is as descriptive as possible because that is your first sales piece that you write. And in closing, uh, I'd like to wrap up and understand what could have been better for the buyer. Ask them what their ideal buying process looks like. How could it differ from what they experienced? Allow, what would they rather have? If they had to go to the bookstore and look for books on their own, did they wish they had some help along the way? And that's, uh, that's where the author can come in because that's where your brochures and, and 
other kind of sell sheets can help you. Allow time for further questions on their end. Don't forget to thank them for their time and confirm their address to send a thank you note for, or incentive. List your primary competitors. Understanding the competitors begins in your, with your secondary market research, but keep in mind competition isn't always as simple as company X versus company Y. So you don't necessarily have a particular book uh, company or a book, a list of books that you have as competition. Competition out there is the books that have been published for all of young adult and middle grade. Uh, if you're selling books just to middle grade, you're selling books basically to parents and they're looking at the likes of bookstores and uh, sometimes review magazines and journals, but usually bookstores uh, and other uh, printed material that comes out. And on websites and, uh, and, and of course Amazon in general, if they just start spinning through Amazon, uh, you usually sub search by subject. If they're looking for a young adult book, uh, the, the young adults can find their own books, but they're very keen on those kinds of places. But middle grade uh, students can find their own books very easily, but uh, they refer to their parents for purchasing usually. All right, Apple is known for its laptops and mobile devices, for instance, but Apple Music competes with Spotify, which doesn't sell hardware yet, over its music and streaming services. So you have these kinds of places where uh, they not only sell books, but they sell music and all other kinds of things. So that, too, can be competition. And uh, from a content standpoint, you might be competing with a blog, a YouTube channel, or similar publications for inbound website visitors. Even though their products don't overlap with yours at all, a toothpaste developer, for example, might compete with magazines like Health and Prevention and books on, uh, on health and and sometimes on uh, dealing with diseases and things like that. So it's, it's a, a competition can come from strange places. Identify industry competitors. To identify competitors whose products or services overlap with mine, determine which industry or industries you're pursuing. Start high level using terms like education, construction, media and entertainment, food service, healthcare, you know, telecommunications, agriculture, whatever your book is about in general terms. If it's about animals, then yeah, I would say uh, agriculture might be a place to go. Uh, if it's about uh, reading and, and all that kind of thing, I think education would almost always be a good place to start. 
review your industry quadrant, and uh, in certain industries, this is your best step for secondary marketing research. Uh, download a market report. Some places can, uh, can generate these reports, but uh, unlikely because of the cost for an individual uh, author to, uh, to be able to get these kinds of reports. But search using social media. That's usually the best place to go for individual authors who are trying to develop a marketing plan for their books that uh, social media, it's free and it's uh, a, a good place to go, believe it or not. Social networks make great company directories if you use the search bar correctly. On LinkedIn, for example, search, select the search bar and enter the name of the industry you're pursuing or select companies, select businesses, select uh, books, you know, those kinds of things, and go from there. Identifying content competitors. Search engines are your best friends in this area of secondary market research. To find the online publications with which you compete, take the overarching industry term you've identified in the section above and come up with a handful of more specific terms that your uh, title would identify with. That's again those uh, terms like education and uh, um, whatever reading, whatever else you could get that would do uh, get you into that segment. When I have that list, then what? First of all, Google it, of course. That's always the first thing to do when you're online. Don't underestimate the value in seeing which websites come up when you run a search on Google for the industry terms that describe your company or your whatever, book title, and find out where the, where those, uh, where your book fits into the, all of that. Might find a mix of product developers, blogs, magazines, and many more things. Compare your search results against your buyer persona. Remember the buyer persona you created during the primary research stage earlier in this article? Use it to examine how likely a publication you found through Google could steal website traffic from you. All right, now that, uh, that can happen, and it depends on the subject, of course, of your book, because your the book subject, if it's an open uh, title that is interesting to a lot of different people, and especially if it's a book, for instance, if it's a book on autism, if you're so, the uh, character, your main character is autistic, uh, this runs into a whole a list of different things that that could uh, could compete with it. It could also augment it. So you may want to connect with some of these groups, especially the autism uh, groups that uh, have some uh, large lists of uh, of 
people that are members or uh, people who interact with them. And this can, can go a long ways to helping uh, your uh, buying. If the content of the website publishes seems like the stuff a buyer persona would be want to see, it's a potential competitor should be added to your list of competitors. After a series of similar Google searches for the terms you identified, look for repetition in the website domains that come up. Examine the first two or three result pages for each search you've conducted. These websites are clearly respected for the content they create in your industry and should be watched carefully as you build your own library of videos, reports, web pages, and blog posts. Then summarize your findings. Feeling overwhelmed by this time, and you probably are, we suggest looking for common themes that will help tell a story and create a list of action items. You shouldn't be all on your own on this. There are several uh, uh, ways to go to synthesize this. To make the process easier, try using the favorite presentation software to make a report, since it will be easy to add in quotes, diagrams, and call clips, and all this kind of stuff. Feel free to add your own flair, but the following outline should help create a clear summary. Okay? Let's summarize. Using background, your goals, and why you conducted the study, participants, who you talk to, executive summary, what were the most interesting things you learned, and those are going to be pretty, you know, specific, maybe two or three things. Awareness, describe the common triggers that lead someone to enter into an evaluation. Consideration, provide the main themes you uncovered as well as the detailed sources of buyers. De decision, paint the picture of how a decision is really made by including the people at the center of influence and any product features. What were these people looking for? What made them make the decisions they made? Action plan. That is what you need to convert your analysis and, that you, and the uh, details you've uncovered and run to, to your own and apply it to your own situation and provide your list of priorities, timelines, and impacts that it will be, have on your business. Now, you've conducted market research, and it can be eye-opening. Even if you think you know your buyers pretty well, completing the study will likely uncover new channels and messaging tips to help improve your actions. And hopefully you can uh, find a, a way to put this all together into a business plan that will uh, give you a framework to work with and to include your, uh, to, to get your, your book off the ground and keep it moving. Uh, it's sometimes you get this bump the first uh, time when it's first published and then the purchasing slows down. 
And that's when you need this marketing plan, uh, a business plan, a marketing plan to help you move forward even after the initial bump in sales. So we will uh, end this show and hopefully you found something here that can help. If you uh, have questions, please feel free to email me and uh, ask it and you will get a personal reply as best I can help you. And thank you for listening and uh, here, see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Saguaro Books Radio Hour. Host Mary Nickham invites you to join us again next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll have more to discuss then.